People always say history is dry and boring, but it's not. It's totally not. It's just been taught to them, forced down their throats in a way where they don't get it. It's actually better than any Netflix series or anything you're going to see on Amazon or any science fiction movie or anything you're going to see, any Marvel comics movie or any drama or anything. It's better than fiction. It's better than movies. It's filled with the most amazing moments. And that's what we have here. Great moments in history that changed the world. And when we put them together in these episodes, you will see history totally rocks. This is Great Moments in History. History told in a series of incredible moments. History told in a series of moments that will blow your mind. History told in a series of moments that will rock your world. And now, here's the history guy, Tom Carroll. I'm Tom Carroll, and this is Great Moments in History. Today, we're going to go back to about the year 385, and we're going to talk about this guy, Patrick Now, we know this guy. It's St. Patrick. It's St. Patrick's Day, which, of course, is a good excuse to wear green, being Irish. Of course, Patrick wasn't Irish, (laughs) but we'll get to that. And to get drunk, to get to drink a lot. It's like, hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. Green beer, just regular beer, whiskey, whatever. And most of us go around going, yeah, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, great day, let's party, let's have a good time. What we don't know, or what we most of us don't think about, is that St. Patrick changed our lives in many ways. And the title of this episode today is The Boat Ride That Changed Everything. So let's start at the beginning. Patrick, you know, dates are hard at this time, but we're pretty sure that Patrick was born about 385 AD. And the reason that that's important is that it's the essentially the end of the Roman period. Patrick or Patricius came from a quote-unquote Roman family in England. Now you go, wait a second, Rome's a long ways away from England. Here's the deal. When the Romans captured and, and took over these countries all, you know, all around essentially what today is Europe, um, they, the, the people there adopted the Roman ways. They learned Latin. They studied in the Latin way. They became Roman. They felt Roman. It was, it was, they were snobs, basically. They're, oh, we're Roman. <laughs> you're plebeian. You're, you know, you're, we're Roman. Anyway, Patrick or Patricius lived in a villa. Gotta be, gotta have a villa, right? On the western shore of England. And when he was 16, 400, 401 AD, he's like hanging out you know, being a Roman snob, basically. 
and Irish raiders come to his villa and they take him as a prisoner. And they take him back to Ireland. They probably take the silver and whatever else they can get their hands on, but he's a slave. And they bring him back to uh, Ireland. Of course, at this point, most people, including me, when I would go, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea that this was St. Pa- First of all, St. Patrick is English. Patrick is English or Roman or whatever, but he's not Irish. That's for sure. Anyway. He gets to Ireland and he is enslaved to a sheep herd and he lives in the interior of Ireland where he, for six years alone, basically, it takes care of a bunch of sheep. And uh, he writes about this in his book where he says that being alone, you know, this is one of the great ironies that almost every one of us has had, is that something that that was that happened against our will turned out to be something that was worthwhile. Uh, and in this case, Patrick says that he starts to have essentially conversations with God. You know, he's all alone, six years with a bunch of sheep out in the middle of nowhere in Ireland. He's not Irish. He's a slave. And then he essentially gets talked to by God, and God tells him that he needs to, you know, head for the coast. Now, it's Ireland. You can't just kind of wander around Ireland. There are no cities in Ireland. It was all basically rural. You can't just wander around, and if someone spotted you— the chances were good they would know you were a runaway slave if you didn't belong to, you know, the the estate that you were on. But he takes off just one night, just takes off, and he walks. He talk he describes this beautifully. He walks and he gets to the coast. And he needs a boat ride. So uh he goes up to this captain and he says, Hey. How about a lift? And the captain probably figured this guy was a runaway slave, didn't want to get involved. He says, no, no, move on, you know, push on. So Patrick, you know, at this point, he realizes that he's probably moments away from being caught and seized. And so he wanders off. But for some reason, the captain, this is the great moment in history. The captain changes his mind. He says, hey, you whatever your name is, slave, come on, we'll take you on. At that moment, the world changed. To this date, we're changed because of it. Anyway, so Patrick gets on the boat. Now that we've had this great moment in history where the captain takes Patrick onto the boat, let's talk about what happens, what the consequences. The boat is going uh, not to England, but to France. And he wanders, as he says, through a horrific scene. Some people think it was uh, an invasion of the, you know, the Huns from the north, the Goths, the Visigoths, somebody. But he arrives in England, of course, at, at this point, around 400, 401. And he wanders for a couple of weeks, no food, no water, hellish scene, uh, probably just after an invasion. 
Um, and while he's there, he does notice that there are monasteries and the beginnings of what turned out to be at the end of the Roman Empire, the beginning of essentially Christianity taking over from the Roman Empire. Um, and he stores that in his in his brain. Anyway, he eventually makes his way back to England and back home. And now he's Roman again. Except it didn't quite work. He's different. He's a different guy now. Six years in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of sheep, with a lot of time to think, and suddenly he has a calling. And and it's not to hang around the villa spouting Latin. It's something completely different. And he decides to, you know, join the church. The church in those days was only one church. Uh, it was the Christian church. And he goes through the process of getting himself into becoming a priest. And then he is sent back or decides to go back to Ireland. I mean, think about that. He's a slave in Ireland for six years, treated not terribly, not slaves go, but no, not well. He's a slave. He, they, nobody cared if he had stayed there and died and rotted. But something about Ireland appealed to him. So he goes back to Ireland. He tries to land in one place. They won't have him. He goes up north. He lands. And then the, the story we all know about St. Patrick starts to kick in. He essentially becomes a Christian leader of Ireland and in many cases takes on the role of the head of the Irish church, ultimately. And he finds, you know, he goes out, he proselytizes, and he converts uh, most of Ireland over the time of his life, not single-handedly, but uh, there's a great book on this called How the Irish Saved Civilization. And uh, the author of that book, Thomas K. Hill, makes the point that what he did was offer the Irish a way of not drinking anymore, although that didn't really work. But basically, they were so afraid of death and hell and everything that was coming after that when he gave them the option of heaven, they kind of jumped at it. I'm not sure that works, but the bottom line is he, he you got to ask, why was he so successful? Anyway, he was. And uh, when he died in 461 AD, um, he had essentially converted and, and established the church. Now, why is this important to us except for green beer and St. Patrick's Day and all that stuff? Well, the reason it is, is, is embodied in this book, How the Irish Saved Civilization, because what happened is... Ireland stayed relatively safe during the marauding time of the Goths and the Visigoths and 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 the other tribes from the north that invaded in the so-called Dark Ages. I don't buy the whole Dark Ages thing. It's it was essentially a continuation, but without the Roman Empire and the learning that was stored in the Roman Empire which is the Roman historians, the Greeks, you know, Plato, Aristotle, and all the rest, 
were essentially saved by the monasteries, the same monasteries that Patrick got a look at when he got uh, off the boat when he was when he escaped. And there they were. There were these manuscripts that were there, but they were being sacked. The monasteries in in Europe were being sacked. And of course, when the Visigoths were to sack your your monastery in Switzerland or France or wherever, Gaul or wherever, they don't really care too much about the manuscripts. And so Ireland, the place that Patrick converted, became the repository of the manuscripts. And somehow, through the Christian efforts that, that Patrick started, the manuscripts made their way to Ireland. You know, and we're talking 460, 500, 525, in that general area. There's pretty clear to most historians that these manuscripts, most of them anyway, would not have survived. And we would not have Western civilization as we know it now. But in this case, these manuscripts found their way onto boats over to Ireland and into monasteries with Irish monks that had been started, the process anyway, had been started by Patrick. And then over the next three, four, five hundred years, the Irish monks sat around making these, making copies of these fantastic manuscripts, which were essentially from Rome and from the Greeks, the Romans, and anyone else that had anything interesting to say. They made, if you've ever seen the Book of Kells, or the, the artwork is fantastic. The lettering is fantastic. I mean, this was this was a calling for the Christians in these monasteries. And they kept these, these manuscripts and later on, in eighth, in the ninth, tenth, eleventh century, they released these these manuscripts as they came under attack themselves. But they didn't really sort of generate much until the Renaissance. But then the Renaissance comes, and all of these manuscripts pop up that the Irish have saved over these centuries, and Western learning, Western civilization. You know, there's a reason why every time, you know, you go to your college class and the first thing they do is ask you to read Plato. That's because that's, that's who we are, Plato and Aristotle and the, the, and the Roman Empire and, and the Senate and all of these things that we would know nothing about if it wasn't for these manuscripts. So the great moment in history is not the reading of the manuscripts or even the making of the manuscripts. The great moment in history is when that sea captain said to Patricius, later on Patrick, said, yeah, jump aboard, we'll take you wherever we're going. And Patrick jumps on board, escaping Ireland and slavery, only to go back to England and not fit in he just wasn't the same guy. Have a calling, go back to Ireland, create the right atmosphere for Christianity, create the Christianity that created the monks and the monasteries, 
away from the marauding Visigoths and Goths and the other marauders that were coming down from the north, and saving these manuscripts so that today, the world that we live in, and you say, well, what, how, what, how much of an impact did they have? You can't believe how much our law, our society, the way we function, the way we think, the way our education system is set up, all comes from these manuscripts. And we have to ask ourselves, if that sea captain hadn't given Patrick a ride, right, or at 401 AD, and had left him to be recaptured and enslaved, and this time probably in chains, never to return to England, never to return to Ireland as, as a priest and someone who converted, there wouldn't be these manuscripts, and there wouldn't there wouldn't be the we'd be here, but we wouldn't be us. We wouldn't be thinking so. That sea captain in that moment when Patrick climbed aboard was a great moment in history that changed the world. I'm Tom Carroll, and this is Great Moments in History. You've been listening to Great Moments in History with the history guide, Tom Carroll. History told in a series of incredible moments. For more information, visit us at www.greatmomentsinhistory.live. That's dot L-I-V-E. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts.